Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to North Shore News Week 2021, the first episode of the new year. We're happy to be here in the new year, and I hope you are too. Uh, I think it's off to a tremendous start personally, and uh, glad you could join us here to go over the week that was in North Shore News. Um, the North Shore News Week podcast is a weekly show in which we go through um, in short bursts um, every story, a lot of the stories that we that we covered in the last week. And we also look ahead a little bit to what's coming up. Just an, another way for you guys to digest the news um, if you if you choose to do so. Um, we do that in three segments, starting with our lead story. Then we go up and down the shore, uh, give you one story per town that we cover. Um, and then we do our featured feature, um, fan favorite featured feature, um, quadruple F as we call it. Um, and, then, uh, and then we look ahead a little bit. So welcome to 21, 2021 again. Marty, how's the year started out for you? It's been great so far, Joe. And one thing I'm really excited about, as we alluded to in last week's episode, is we've got our managing editor, Megan Bernard, back. And that is great news for both you and I, but even better news for our readers because it's going to elevate our news coverage to even a higher level. So more news coming at you quicker, faster, more efficiently. Very exciting times at the record. We are uh, very excited to have her back. Thank you for pointing out, Marty. And she's uh, hopefully going to get on this pod soon. We didn't want to uh, scare her right out of the gate as she's getting her feet back wet <laughs> off maternity leave. Um, but uh, we're, uh, we're so happy to have her back um, in the new year. And Marty, uh, she's one of the co-founders with Martin and myself of the record northshore.org. Um, you're nonprofit newsroom here on the North Shore. So let's dive right in, huh, to, to 2021 with a, um, a heartwarming story out of a lot of our communities. Um, we focus a lot on Wilmette here, but on New Year's Eve, there was a, uh, a tribute, a candlelight tribute to COVID-19 victims. This was a grassroots initiative started by Malika Myers, Mal I'm sorry, Malika Myers, a Wilmette resident who just wanted to do something um, to honor these victims. Her father died of COVID early in the pandemic in March. Um, and it was one of the heart-wrenching stories you hear about a lot where um, her father was in New York. He got uh, um, infected with the virus, with the coronavirus, and he, um, was, she was not able to see him before he passed away at the end of March, um, much like uh, many families and many victims of COVID-19. And as the year was concluding, Malika wanted to do something. Um, so she posted on next door, just an idea she had about how, um, about maybe residents could step outside on their porch um, with a lit candle um, and observe about 10 minutes of silence um, was maybe the least uh, people could do. And it caught on a um, lot of, uh, not next door, no retweets. I was going to say retweets, but a lot of uh, reactions to the post. Comments. A lot of comments, people saying they join her, um, obviously safely distanced in their own home. Um, we were out there that night. Um, photographer Rhonda Holcomb, thank you, uh, was out there that night on Malika Street in Wilmette. And a lot of her neighbors joined her walking around the neighborhood as well, saying hello to each other with candles lit. Um, pretty heartwarming story. And Malika was kind of blown away by the response. And um, while we couldn't get to every community um, that night, we did know it spread to Kenilworth and Northfield and Evanston and Skokie um, that those we know for sure from we posts we saw. So 
Um, a very, very cool story. We got a bit of a recap and we heard from Malika in a story. and We got a nice photo gallery from Rhonda. Um, a very cool way to end the year. And hopefully um, part of Malika's um, reasoning behind this was we can all start 2021 with a little, little unity. Yeah, and it's really hard during these times to to find ways to build community spirit, Joe. Obviously, there's so much bad news going on in the world right now and news that makes us depressed. So it's encouraging to see you know, residents in our coverage area finding ways to to stay united and, and stay positive and just just try to to build some community spirit in these incredibly challenging times. Very well said, Martin. Absolutely correct. So um, very cool event. Check it out. Um, the photo gallery and the story on the record northshore.org and that is our lead story the first of 2021 second segment we're going to go up and down the shore um, and uh, we're going to touch on all five communities we cover starting at the northernmost tip of our uh, coverage area in glencoe where twin brothers released an interesting book especially if you're interested in chicago sports history like martin and i yeah, this was really an awesome story, Joe, for me personally, editing it because I was nerding out a little bit going through it because Tony and Carl Rizika, uh, former Glencoe Village president, Tony, and, and their twin brothers, as you mentioned, author a book sort of recapping their uh, illustrious run through Chicago sports history. They're, they're very involved in Chicago sports and have, uh, have had many interactions with some of the most famous figures in Chicago sports uh, history and, and They've throughout those experiences sort of documented them by collecting memorabilia. I myself am a bit of a collector. So it was really awesome to, uh, to hear some quote, to see some quotes and, uh, and some pictures from a, a really neat memorabilia collection that has awesome pieces from some of the legends of not only baseball, but other sports around uh, Chicago, other Chicago sports as well. And this, this book is certainly going to be a great read for any sports fan and probably for someone who isn't even particularly interested in, uh, in sports as well. And the book's available on Amazon or at Barnes or at Barnes and Noble. Um, and it's just a, a great local read of a, a former village president and his brother talking about some, some awesome memories they've shared together that at, are a little, a little bit unique if I don't say so. Absolutely unique. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty wild to read their stories and their very insider um, knowledge about some of these, some of these sports figures and how they got so close to them. So very cool. You guys got to check it out. Um, skipping over to Northfield, I'm sorry, to Winneka, one town South. Uh, we're going to touch on Winneka here. And it's been a issue um, among both residents and officials in Winneka. They've talked about teardowns um, of historic homes um, and how, uh, it's, it's bothersome to a lot of people, and one in particular recently has really uh, got caught up in um, in that debate. Yeah, so a property at 740 Ardsley Road in Winneka, Joe, was sold near the end of 2020, and it's sort of a bit of a he said, she said situation at now. The details are a little bit foggy at this point, but some of the nearby neighbors are alleging that before the sale took place, there wasn't an agreement to try to preserve the home. Um, the representatives of the new homeowners are sort of saying otherwise and saying that they expressed demolition was always going to be a pop, a possibility, but nonetheless, after they purchased, they purchased the home, they submit, uh, they submitted a demolition program, a permit, excuse me, to the village of Winneka and the village's landmark preservation commission was supposed to originally hear that demolition permit at the, at the beginning of December, December 7th, I believe it has since been pushed back 
twice um, in an effort to sort of try to hear both sides out a little bit further and see if an agreement can be made or if a, a resolution can be made. So now the situation is that it's going to come before the commission at its February 1st meeting. Um, they were supposed to hear it most recently, January, this past Monday, which was January 4th. And the, it was pushed back until um, February 1st. So we'll see how that one plays out, Joe. But right now there is uh, very, con very much contention in Winneka. At least two dozen neighbors submitted public comments to the village before the January 4th meeting um, in opposition of the demolition. So there's a lot going on related to this property. And as you alluded to, Joe, it sort of relates to a bit of an overarching issue in Winneka that some officials believe there's a, there's a teardown of these historic homes. There's a problem of teardowns of these historic homes in Winneka. And it's been mentioned at several uh, public meetings recently, and the village council is actually going to be having a study session on the topic next week, I believe Tuesday of next week. So January 12th, if I'm not mistaken, there's going to be a study session where they're going to decide I shouldn't say decide they're going to discuss possible um, courses of action moving forward. So for anyone interested in that, you'll want to tune into the, uh, to the study session from the council next week, but certainly a story we're going to keep our eyes on as I don't think it'll be going away anytime soon. Um, village trustee Jack Kolodarchi said that the village has received sort of one, one Winneka level of, uh, of commentary from residents, which, to our listeners who, who know a little bit about One Winneka, it was a very contentious development proposal a couple of years ago that many residents opposed and in the property at which it was supposed to, uh, supposed to take place at is still sort of up in question. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep eyes on, our eyes on this and you guys should follow along. As you know, these, these towns have a lot of pride and, uh, for their history and for their uh, architecture, which is noteworthy and, and renowned. Um, so something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, going over one town, skipping over West a little bit. Um, let's talk about how, uh, the 180 in Northfield on their cannabis sales is, uh, moving forward again. Yeah. I'll sort of preface this one, Joe, by going back a little bit to last year and our readers might be familiar with this because we covered it, uh, on a couple occasions last year, but in mid October, Northfield's village board had preliminary discussions about the legal sale of adult use cannabis in Northfield. And for our, our listeners who are familiar with the situation in 2019, the, the village board uh, voted to prohibit the sale of uh, adult use cannabis in Northfield. And at that October meeting in 2020, they sort of signaled their support for reversing course and allowing uh, the, po the possibility of dispensaries in Northfield. So there's a couple of reasons as, as to why, but I think it's fair to say that maybe the re maybe the main reason is that the village is facing, you know, some significant deficits potentially in revenue because of COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic and everything that comes with that economically. So in that October meeting, the board directed the plan commission to um, sort of vet out some possible tax amendments and then send over some recommendations to them. So that is a meeting that happened this week and the commission approved some recommendations related to hours and potential locations in regards to potential locations, sort of the two areas where it could potentially work in Northfield if a dispensary were interested would be Waukegan Road. Obviously, I'm sure our listeners are pretty familiar which part of Waukegan Road is Northfield or the frontage, frontage Road uh, and Central Avenue corridor, which is a little bit on the 
Um, backside of Northfield, where some of the car dealerships are, there are there is one uh, storefront that was sort of targeted by commissioners as a possibility that might work. So Northfield's Village Board is now supposed to consider and potentially vote on the topic later this month. I believe its next meeting is January 19th. So we'll see how that uh, moves forward. But everything we've seen and heard from the Village Board so far indicates that there's a, a strong preference to move forward with this. There was only one dissenter when it, uh, when it was first uh, preliminary discussed at the board. So there seems to be a very strong um, feeling and, and desire from the village board to move forward with this. So they, uh, they sort of cited their initial reasons for not wanting to, uh, to allow it was some lack of data on safety and uh, uh, on some other areas that they've cited, but additional resource that is research, I should say that it's come out in the, year or so plus afterwards has sort of led to that 180, as you mentioned, Joe. Yeah, and they're not the only ones making that 180. It's being discussed at the community too, as you mentioned. So um, another one to keep your eyes on and we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll keep updating for you. Um, we're going to skip Kenilworth. Don't worry, they're coming up later. That's called a tease. Um, but and go to Wilmette, um, where uh, a few crime stories recently have caught um, – have made some headlines and uh, the one we're going to stick to here was a bank robbery on Monday um, at the byline bank right off of the Eden's expressway um, at three, two, four, five Lake Avenue. And uh, two men um, walked in the bank and, and uh, this is all according to police, according to police chief Kyle uh, Murphy over there in Wilmette, uh, two men handed a note to a teller um, implied a weapon. A weapon was never shown and no injuries or no physical contact was ever made. Um, but they made away with an undisclosed amount of cash and they fled the scene in a lime green challenger, which has caught a lot of headlines recently because of its, um, how it kind of sticks out in its color, um, in the type of vehicle. But, um, that's how kind of they were at least a piece of the puzzle that led them to those men are believed to have robbed two other banks, at least in the, in the suburbs, both other banks were in the Western suburbs. So they started out according to the FBI's timeline at a bank in Lombard, uh, my hometown, um, at a bank in Lombard, robbed the bank successfully, drove to Wilmette, allegedly, robbed the um, Byline Bank there on Lake Avenue, then drove back to the western suburbs and Naperville and tried to rob a Fifth Third Bank over there, but uh, were unsuccessful. Um, the Naperville police officers did show up and notice the car, gave chase, but lost them on I-88. Um, but, uh, so that's what they got so far. So look out for two men described FBI describes them as, uh, um, two young in their twenties, um, black males. Um, and, uh, they were wearing hoodies, one black, one gray, um, and face masks. Um, just like you would see with everybody nowadays. So keep um, an eye out for that lime green challenger, lime green challenger is what stuck out, stuck out. And there's, we got the photos from the FBI and, um, that on the scene. So on the site, I should say. So the record northshore.org, check that out. Um, Byline Bank, but everybody is okay. There were no injuries. Um, then the FBI is in charge of the investigation. And that is our um, up and down the shore. That's the news of note for the week. Um, of course, there's plenty more um, since our uh, launch in October. We have now done over 215 stories um, on your communities. So uh, we're keeping count. I'm sure um, that's an overwhelming number to you. I'm not sure what that means, but we're pretty proud of it. So check it out. Plenty of local news for you. Tell your friends um, to check out the recordnorthshore.org.
And that leads us to our feature feature. Kenilworth, I told you I wouldn't forget about you. So we have a fun story. Um, this is when- I think this might be a first for Kenilworth, the first time in the featured feature. It might be. We got we to gotta go through the records. Check um, the stats. Stats. But um, <clears throat> it's a fun one. It's actually being posted now. So by the time this is up, um, it'll be there. Um, but it's about a, a chef at a Kenilworth Post Office employee who's actually on the show called um, Worst Cooks in America on the Food Network. Food Network shows and all those cooking shows are all the rage. And an employee at the Kenilworth Post Office, Stephanie James, is on the show America's Worst Cooks. Uh, we have Worst Cooks in America, I should say. So Alan Henry profiled Stephanie, who um, is a clerk there at the, at the post office. So you may uh, see her face if you check on that show. Really cool story um, just about her cooking background, how she makes spaghetti for the family and they don't really like it, uh, but how her son's very encouraging, but um, maybe doesn't try everything she makes. And now she's on the show. I guess she's made it past the first episode. Um, and now they're on to the second. She's an Edgewater resident. Um, she's in, uh, she's vying for a $25,000 trophy um, award, I should say. Pretty cool stuff. Um, pretty cool story about Stephanie. It looks like we may need to follow up here. She's, she's won an award at the Black Harvest Film Festival. Um, she released the first novel. Um, well, she's trying to release her first novel called Remember Me. Um, yeah, very cool story about Stephanie. Um, and people are noticing um, really cool kicker from Alan Henry. Other story is somebody stopped in the post office and gave her a box of lasagna. Um, and you'll find out why when you read the story. Pretty cool stuff. Um, but Stephanie James, a reality show star right now, or, or vying to be on Worst Cooks in America. She works at the Kenilworth Post Office. Fun feature. And that's our featured feature of the week. And those are our three segments. Thank you guys for listening. Um, that's all the news that's fit for this episode. We're going to take a quick look ahead, though, um, and what you can expect out of the record North Shore. Yeah, we've got a couple more things in the oven, Joe, no pun intended. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some board coverage coming up later up later this week. Um, the Glencoe School District 35 Board of Education will be meeting Thursday evening. So we'll have that story up either Thursday night or Friday morning. Um, we expect to hear some more information on back to school plans as schools throughout our coverage area are sort of using these two weeks after the new year as a, as a remote transition period. And they'll be heading back um, for the most part, January 19th, January 20th. So um, we'll expect in the next couple of weeks, a lot of back to school news. Um, we've got a Wilmette district 39 committee of the whole meeting next week. We've got the Wilmette village board next week. We'll have coverage of all those meetings as well. And then coming up the week after that, we've got the new board as well, which we anticipate to be uh, a highly eventful for lack of a better term meeting, because it'll be the last time the board's going to meet before 50% of students will be back on campus at new So exciting times. We've got a profile feature of Winneka's longtime public work works director who just retired um, that'll be up this weekend. And then our guy, Joe Coughlin, is going to have some uh, some latest COVID-19 data breakdown that relates directly to your hometown. Yeah, we'll have that and more coming up in the next week. So we hope you guys stay tuned to the recordnorthstar.org. Um, think about subscribing. Think about donating to our nonprofit newsroom. Um, whether you do or not, we are here to work for you and we will do so. So thank you for listening. Uh, welcome to 2021. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.